You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. What exactly did she tell you? It is an answer. Can I ask why we are here? Spread your arms. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, just a straw. You better go, Saul. It's another episode of Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Beauvais. And uh, we are here talking season two, episode six of Saul called Bali High. Hey, they said it in the episode, so now I know how to pronounce it. They sang the song that you said they weren't going to sing in the episode. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. I didn't think, but you know what? This show really likes to stick to its titles. If there's something in the title, you can bet your ass it's going to be in the uh, in the episode. Uh, I figured they were going to go to Hawaii or something. No, he just was singing singing songs uh, to his lady friend. Uh, Alright, so... Hey, Ace, shut up. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> we're going to pick that up so much better now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's all going to sound so much more clear to everyone. Uh, all right, so here we go. Uh, Jimmy finds it difficult adjusting to his new job at Davis in Maine. Uh, he's unable to sleep in his apartment. He can only find solace when he returns to the old boiler room office. Uh Kim, meanwhile, with the help of Chuck, is reinstated to her old position at HHM, but she is treated like shit by Howard, who gives her the most humiliating and menial assignments one can do for a lawyer, such as sending her to try and argue unwinnable motions in court. Uh, Kim is then approached by Rich Schweikert of Schweikert and Coakley, the bad guy lawyers from the bad guy firm across across the pond from their good guy... <laughs> Like summer camp or something. Um, he tells her that she uh, that he was impressed with her performance and wants to get her uh, give her a job with S and C, one that includes better benefits. Unsure of what to do, Kim relieves her stress by running another con with Jimmy, fooling an investor into giving them ten thousand dollars, a check which, by the way, she doesn't necessarily intend to cash. She just kind of wants it like a trophy. And they have sex. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they certainly do that as well. Uh, Kim tells Jimmy about her doubts over whether or not to move to S&C and expresses jealousy at how Jimmy always seems to know what he wants. Jimmy lies to Kim about how working at DNM is everything he's always wanted uh, in order to keep her from quitting the law. Meanwhile... Mike refuses Hector Salamanca's deal 
but is constantly harassed by Hector's <laughs> goons, including uh, Lionel and Marco Salamanca, the twins. Uh, after Stacy and Kaylee are implicitly and explicitly threatened, Mike finally agrees to Hector's deal, but manages to raise his price to $50,000 because Mike is fucking awesome and is the man, and then he returns half of the money to Nacho uh, as he was unable to uphold his part of the earlier deal. Uh, what did you think of the episode? I really liked it. <laughs> um, all the scenes with Mike at his house were excellent. And just all the little small stuff, you know, when he gets the newspapers and the welcome mat and all that kind of stuff, just, uh, just perfect. Uh, especially whenever he knows that the guys are in the house. It was oh funny because I was watching with my girlfriend and she's like, oh, and I was laying there. She's like, can I give me a hand? I'm like, why? She's because I'm, I'm, this is intense. I gotta, I need to hold something. I'm like, be he's alive. Like, you know, he doesn't die. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he dies later, and she's like, "Well, I mean, even I don't if... care. It's still intense." And I'm like, "No, I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, this is really good, but you know, Mike's got it. He's I didn't got ha- it. I didn't have a doubt in my mind that he wasn't <laughs> going to make it out of that. And not only did he make it out of that situation, he handed those kids their asses, and he got their guns. Yeah, and they left piss scared. Yeah, we were just supposed to frighten you, maybe. And he's like, "Yeah, we'll try harder next time." <laughs> As he's sitting there holding their gun, and then the twins do. Yes, yeah. They just point the gun, and then they do the hand signal to his granddaughter. And then, yeah, I mean, the you know, you could tell that they were rushing through the the con this go around. <laughs> yes. It was, which is, you know, it's okay. It was just funny to see the contrast because, you know, that was the point of that scene then was established that where this was like uh this kind of reminded me of in House of Cards when Claire and Frank smoke a cigarette. Like that's what that's what this felt like. Uh this go around. Like it was just a small thing, but they just needed to take the edge off, both of them. Yeah. And then oh yeah. All the stuff with Schleicher was so good. Mm-hmm. That guy is that guy's a really good actor, and Aces. I- I'm gonna apologize because we're we're gonna hear all of this from here on out. You're gonna know why we say "Be quiet, Ace," because you're gonna hear him now. Yeah, this is Glenn's fault for getting a better computer. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, you will. We will literally hear everything now. Uh, every, uh, like, I can hear him walking. If if anyone sneezes in the background, I will hear that. Uh, the Mumble software is very sensitive. And uh, quite precise. So there you go. Um, now it was cool to see yet uh, another pair of. I mean, they're they're minor characters, the Salamanca twins or whatever. Those guys are minor characters, but it was cool to see them here as well. Uh, and uh, and Mike just with his big balls, which apparently Hector is uh, uh, a big fan of. Yeah. Also, hey, you know, if you need to, there's also a mute. If you need to mute yourself. Oh, I did. I'm used to it going through on my mic. I'm sorry. It didn't go through on the on the mumble. Oh, there you go. It's the, just click the, the little microphone guy. In no, there. no, no. I know now. I, I mean, I know it. I just, I'm used to doing it on my mic. So. Eh, we're getting used to it. It's no big deal. Um, yeah. I mostly was... just had to kick him out. Sorry. <laughs> hey, that's, hey, that's how it is with dogs. Uh, you can't just look at them like you do with kids and be like, hey move. He's just going to stare at you with a stupid face. Uh, but yeah, the uh, I, I like this episode a lot. There was uh, 
to me, I think I like I liked all the stuff with uh, with 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 Jimmy. I, I'm not surprised that he's not adjusting well. Uh, that's not really a surprise. Uh, the the thing with Kim is a little interesting. Uh, I I know they kind of I, I I mean don't they sort of play up S and C as like the evil bad guy lawyers the ones that are oh because those, they're the ones that are, are sticking up for, for the company Piper. yeah yeah which yeah. you know they would do the same thing if they were their client that's sure, just being sure. a lawyer it's their, it's their job yeah yeah um, and she is I I like the dynamic that she is being completely open and honest with him about her problems and like Jimmy normally does he's bullshitting 100%. He's not being honest about anything at all. Uh, they, uh, I, I think we're maybe starting to see the cracks, Glenn, as to why these people aren't uh, uh, coupled together on Breaking Bad. Uh, they're just two, they like each other very much, but they're two very different people, and eventually it's all going to catch up to Mr. Jimmy McGill, I think. Uh, but yeah, by and large, I, I really liked the episode. I was, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I was kind of surprised at Mike's demeanor, given uh, that they threatened his granddaughter. The fact that he was, the fact that he was able to just—I <laughs> I just had a feeling it would have gotten a little more violent than it did. Look, I know he threatened to kill. Uh, actually, you know, here's my real question. They, Mike goes into this meeting, and Nacho is patting him down, and Hector is watching Nacho pat him down, right? And the he purposefully Nacho purposefully leaves a gun in Mike's belt, and when Mike reaches for the gun, how does Hector not realize that Nacho must have let him keep the gun? Timey wimey, like that. I feel like. He would he would have been very pissed. Like I, I feel like he was watching him check Mike, and then Mike reaches for his gun. Like why the fuck did Nacho not? Know well, I mean, I, he I think he no because I think Hector waves him off, doesn't he? Hector says oh, like, oh no, does. yeah, he said yeah, he says like, oh, I don't care if he has a gun, that doesn't bother me. Oh, maybe he, he can does come up. That. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he says. That. I mean, I may be getting it confused with the with a different thing that I watched this week, but I'm pretty sure. There's a line that has said that he doesn't care if he has a gun come up to him. They don't. It doesn't scare him. I don't know. I mean, that's sort of what it felt like for me. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure he says that. I'm pretty sure that he says something about he doesn't care if he has the gun. Uh, if now, if you were in the position of bilking a guy out of ten thousand uh, dollars, would you? Have, I don't even remember what was it for. Like an online dating website. I keep forgetting when these episodes are supposed to take place during. Because they mentioned like an online date. Oh thing. yeah, I, this is two thousand and two. I think is what. Yeah, yeah. Before the gigantic onset of online dating websites. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know it's a gold mine. Oh for sure. Well, I mean, this guy donated ten thousand dollars to the cause. Uh, One I, more investor, and they go public. <laughs> that's right. I get the feeling that Jimmy would have cashed that check. Oh, wholeheartedly. I mean, yeah. didn't he like he ripped he off that guy's. It. Yeah, he scammed that guy's uh, I mean, guy's I know hotel. He, sure, yeah. I mean, I know he tried to get Kim to do it too, and she's just like, "Nah, I'm just gonna keep it on my wall, like a like a deer hunter would collect a trophy." She just wants to keep the check, just to know that she can make somebody do it. 
Um, so what do you think is the, the end game here? Is this uh, the sort of behavior is going to catch up to Kim? She's going to realize what she's doing and not like what she's becoming? Is this going to be like a thing where she realizes that she's becoming a lot like Saul and what Saul is doing is very bad? And do you think this is what uh, starts the, the split or creates the split between them? I mean, because obviously we know what happens uh, to Jimmy, like we know he becomes Saul at some point, but uh, where do you think the end game is with with Kim here? Does this all catch up to her? I I think that's gonna be one probably the last things Jimmy does is Jimmy, and that's just push her away. Yeah, like this is the road I'm gonna go down, and you know what? I don't want you to go down with it. Go down, you. You know. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, it's they're they're certainly uh, planting the seeds right now. Like uh, she was very reluctant to do the fir- do it the first time, and then when she did it, she was like, "Wow, that was kind of great." And then she <laughs> instantly regretted doing it. And here she was in this situation where she was like flipping that business card around for Schweikert and Coakley. And I, I think she just didn't know what to do with herself. And she saw this situation and she sort of, I mean, the guy sort of put himself in the situation, right? He bought her a drink yep. and then tried hitting on her. And I think she sort of just let it happen. And uh, I wonder, I wonder if it's going to become like a thing for her, like an addictive thing where she can't help but do it. And that's what pushes her over the edge. Does it to the wrong person? Eh, quite, quite possibly. Um, all right. Do you have any other any other notes on this particular episode? No, than, I just other than Bob Odenkirk's singing abilities. <laughs> that was really great. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it was great and brutal simultaneously. It was brutal. Yeah, I like the the Howard and Kim scene because man, he just does smug like nobody's business. Holy shit! Yeah, he gave her the cold shoulder. And then he just, you know, drop of a hat changes, you know, is all smiles and happy to see him all. how are your kids doing? How are the grandkids? Yeah. What a dick. (laughs) What a douchebag that guy is, for real. He turned Uh, heel again. He sure did, man. Another another turn. He was a baby face turn heel. (laughs) That's what people want on this podcast. I know that's what people are tuning into this show in particular for, is it's wrestling jargon. Um, all right, let's go to the let's go to the let's go to the scores. Let's go to the judges. Uh, Glenn, what would you give Bali High? Uh, like a four. Like a, a really, I mean, a strong, 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 strong four. A lot of really good scenes, but just it didn't have that one thing to give it that punch. No, not so. willing to go four and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, I would go four and a quarter. Okay, <laughs> I, I argued you up a quarter of a point. No, I mean, I would. That's why when I say really strong or really weak, it usually means you know quarter indicators. Sure, sure. Uh, I, you know, what? I didn't give this a strong four. I, I just gave it a four. Um, I felt, but I felt just like you though that there was really outside of the really cool Mike scene where he had uh, big balls and held Hector at gunpoint to get fifty thousand dollars. Other than that greatness, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to the episode. I mean, it was yeah, it good. was like watching Mad Men. Yeah, plenty of <laughs> plenty of good, but nothing of note really. 
it's like, oh, so that's continuing, uh, and that's where that's heading. Okay, um, but there was really there was really nothing that particularly stuck out. It was a good episode. Um, not, I don't know. Would you say the weakest of the season so far? Um, yeah, I would say it's the weakest. I mean, which is, been, I mean, that's you know, not. It's, yeah, it's a very high. No, no, no. Last even. week, last week was the weakest because I gave that a three and a half. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're trending. They're trending the wrong direction. Uh oh. They're reaching, you know, good level instead of being great or excellent. They're that's trending right. down. Uh oh. Could be the end of the show. Uh, it could be. I'm, I'm well, likely. there's one show I wish that would end, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is it for this week. Uh, we're going to come back next week. It's going to be a free episode, I believe, because I think it's going to be part of the free, the freemium week. Uh, season two, episode eleven of Better Call Saul. It's called Inflatable. You better call.